You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Attention sports fans. Are you a fan of an NFL team? Would you love to attend your favorite team's week one game? Well, you're in luck. Fans First Sports Network is giving away four free tickets to the week one NFL game of your choice up to $5,000. The rules to enter are simple. Step one, go to contest.fansfirstsports.com. That's contest.fansfirstsports.com and fill out the appropriate information. Step two, find us on Facebook, Fans First Sports Network, and like our page. That's it. Once you've done that, you've officially been registered to win the four free tickets to any week one NFL game. What are you waiting for? Go enter for your shot at seeing your favorite team in action. Contest ends on September 4th. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded Top 25, Under 25, and we're at Top 1. And I'm not sure who's more drained of my voice, you or me. I am super excited though because I am joined today by John Lou from formerly TSN Montreal. But nowadays we find you over in the western side of, Mon- of Canada and uh, Winnipeg. Coming up on a year now, Patrick. It's hard to yeah. believe that. Uh... Time's blown by so fast, but uh, yeah, I'm loving it being back in my hometown. And I, I want to be honest here because we're not going to do the feed, but uh, I am the one wearing the shirt today. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think this is the only time I will ever outdress uh, John because John, you really took it to to next level in in your in- interviews and and intermission protocols of uh, of the Habs games. Um, I mean, you were the person that took over from Sean Bellow being best dressed in the Bell Center. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. I, and I, I and I think that's the only area where maybe I could be mentioned in the same breath as Mr. Bellavo. So and when you said that, it's like, whoa, 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 hang on a sec, you know? Okay. No, but that I'll accept. Thank you. I, I do <laughs> I, I was thinking you would wear that, you know, hoodie. <laughs> uh, jacket that you had uh, that you got made after having been in Sweden for a while but but yeah it's b- before we start on your top 25 on 25 list uh, how much do you follow Montreal nowadays I I still read um a lot of the content that's on Twitter sorry I, I just can't call it that other alphabetic thing. letter it just sounds stupid um and, and my colleagues with uh, the Athletic and Sportsnets, um, and uh, I subscribed to the NHL package this past season because I wanted to keep watching the Canadians and my my friends and former colleagues on the uh, TSN broadcast, Brian Mudrick, and my replacement uh, Kenzie Lalonde, see how she was doing, and uh, and so yeah, I, I've I've still kept pretty close tabs on the Canadians, not spending as much time of course because my responsibilities are are with the winnipeg jets and and the winnipeg blue bombers but uh no certainly there's always going to i'm always going to have a soft spot for the team that i covered for as long as i did and uh the, the city that i lived in and the markets that i was very uh proud to serve so um yeah i still follow them pretty closely but not as much as before oh uh, i mean if, if we i mean what do you miss most about montreal is it the food or is it uh, the culture uh, it's a little bit of both uh, because there, Montreal is such a unique place. That anybody who's been there knows that there's a buzz, there's a pulse. There's uh, uh, it, Quebec is the most unique part of North America, in my view, um, simply because it's like a transplanted part of Europe stuck in the middle of the continent. 
Um, and so I was really grateful for being able to spend 15 years there and taking in the culture and uh, getting to really understand what Quebec and Quebecers are all about. And of course, covering the most storied franchise in, in the NHL, uh, well, and largely professional sports. And so it was, it was a tremendous experience. Um, and yeah, there's certain elements that I miss like the cuisine and, and just uh, uh, in Montreal, the fun finds you. Okay. In other parts of the world, like my hometown, Winnipeg is Winnipeg gets a bad knock for not uh, being as cosmopolitan or having as much of a nightlife as 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 many other places in North America. But to me, it's like I grew up here. My circle is here. And so it's like I don't have to go looking for fun. It will find me here, too, because this is my crib. But uh, but Montreal is a different animal in that way, that it's uh, it, it's a very spontaneous and very uh, vibrant city in that regard, too. So uh, so I do miss some of those elements, uh, although having said that, I'm told that it's been a really rainy summer in uh, La Bavance. So I don't miss that because it's been dry and warm here in Winnipeg for the most part. And no mosquitoes, don't, almost no mosquitoes. Don't tell my missus that because she will move directly because it's been atrocious this season here in sweden as well oh. mm -hmm. uh, we we have a roof on on on, on the patio and we've been sitting there um, thinking we're at a caravan vacation more or less because it just smatters on the roof um, mm -hmm. all the way through but yeah no mosquitoes that's that's what we have in common probably beautiful <laughs> I asked you when I asked you to join us here and, and thank you again for, for joining us. It's it's super exciting. I'm feeling a little bit out of my depth, but uh, with such a professional as yourself, I asked you to do a, a your own top 25 under 25 rankings. And, and I showed you the, the criteria that we had and you came together with a great list. How long did it take you? Um, I... I'd say probably I did the list, compiled the list over the course of about five or six days since we made contact, Patrick. And please, I hope you don't feel out of your element. We're just having a conversation. Um, but um, to be honest with you, uh, some of it is just my own pre-existing knowledge and familiarity with the Canadians' prospects, especially the ones that I covered in Montreal. Uh, a lot of it is do, is based on reputation or researching what scouts are saying, what other uh, what other uh, of my colleagues and, and experts who follow the Canadians much more closely, what they're saying, because a lot of them I haven't had the benefit of of, of watching firsthand whether on ice or or on television. And so, uh, yeah, so some of it, I have to admit that I'm plugging holes a little bit, but uh, but for the most part, uh, I feel like I had a pretty good sense of, you know, who deserves to be on that list and uh, and where they should be ranked. Yeah, and, and uh, it's, it's more or less what we all do because it would be a full-time job to follow every prospect of Montreal Canadiens anyway. Um, but, and, and especially... If, if you take it up to under 25, because then you're going to have NHLers on there as well. Of course. Um, you listed uh, at number 25, Caden Primo. And and uh, I'll be honest, I had him very, very low in my own rankings because I, I felt like we passed him now. He hasn't, he hasn't, the trajectory has stagnated. Um, mm -hmm. But but what are your thoughts on Primo having him on the list? <laughs> I feel like that that there still is there is still is game in Caden Primo um, that he has had such a, a rough 
development path. You know, uh, I mean, we saw what happened to him during and through the pandemic, and that really seemed to uh, hurt his chances of becoming a high caliber NHL prospect. But I still feel that there's there's raw talent there. There's ability. And uh, uh, who knows? He might only be a tweener. He might mm -hmm. just continue to be a Laval uh, farmhand. Uh, although, having said that, I think that he'd probably move on before that became his future, simply because I'm sure that he wants uh, more opportunity or wants a chance to prove himself. Maybe he needs a change of scenery. But having said that, I think that uh, if you're talking about the prospect pool as a whole, yes, mm -hmm. the Canadians are kind of thin in the goaltending department as far as who's on the farm. Um, but if you take a look farther down the line, maybe he still wants to have a place in the in the um, organization. Maybe he has the opportunity to be a 1B. Like when we see tandem starters right now, that's becoming uh, more the trend in the NHL, that maybe there's a place for Caden Primo to be a guy who starts about 35 to 40 games a season and still deliver at uh, a sufficient level that makes him, um, I guess, a valuable prospect within the organization. Uh, and that's where I based it on, simply because if there were prospects in the in the pool like Carey Price for instance well Kane Primo wouldn't be on that list at all because your goaltending pool would be very very sound but having said that the guys that the Canadians have between the pipes that are prospects that they're not as proven they're younger they're not as experienced and so we don't know exactly what they have and so to that end I think that Primo still has value in the organization but I just didn't put him uh, I didn't feel that he was deserved to be in my eyes higher than where I put him no, and, and he has that playoff performance where he was outstanding, but that's really the only thing that stands out. Um, you have Struble at 24. You have Ilanen, who signed a contract just now at 23, starting to become, with with a deeper prospect pool, as we're going to go through, also a little bit redundant, maybe, and, and replaceable, yeah. at least. Right, and that's why I ranked Ilanen lower, is simply because there are so many good forwards, young forwards in the on the farm and in 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 the hopper that's he hasn't been able to really seize his opportunities um and make the most of them and so he is getting passed by a lot of players on the depth chart but again some of these guys that i have put on there that's uh, that may seem like they aren't they don't have as much um uh, potential as they might have when they were drafted or when they were one or two years in the organization is because they do have some experience right and a lot of these kids that are still in junior or playing in college, yes, they're putting up good numbers. They show potential. But until they actually get a taste of pro experience, not necessarily the NHL, but AHL is such a uh, is such a tough league, too, that until they actually show what they're able to do or what they can do uh, at a pro level, uh, we don't really know what they're going to be. They might slip down the depth chart a year or two from now. Um, and that's why guys like Ulanen uh, that do have – some pro experience uh both the n and the a uh, i believe that they still uh are on the canadians radar as as prospects with value attached to them we don't want to wish anyone ill but injuries happened we saw that with Ikonen two times in a row he got knee injuries and and the one was the second one was obviously because of the recovery process hadn't finished yet or healed up properly yet and and that can derail a career as well obviously Ikonen mm -hmm. has a decent uh, hockey career in europe but but you don't get to the NHL automatically just because you have a good junior hockey career. Absolutely. You got to prove it. Look at the world juniors. How many guys 
don't make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are plenty of stars, but look how many, the majority don't make it. They never make it, right? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Or, or, or the NCAA basketball tournament, same right. thing. So, yeah. You have Heinemann at number 22. We had him at 21. Fantastic shot. I don't know if you've seen it, but but he he comparable to to um, Olafsson in, in Buffalo, a little bit more pace on it, a little bit more heavy hitter, um, and and coming in last year, really adapting well to the North American style of hockey. Yeah, now there's a guy that I admit that I haven't seen much. I've I've only read about him, um, and so I. I, I struggled with where I wanted to place him on the list. And so just because I'm unfamiliar with him, but he hadn't really made a strong impression. Uh, a guy that obviously will need more experience. I rated him a little bit lower, but that's a guy that, well, again, you know, and any, any of these acquisitions that, that Kent Hughes had brought in through some of the trades that he made once he took over, you know, you really want to see these guys succeed because it, um, it, a Heinemann or a Smolanek, they're not going to be legacy acquisitions by any means, simply because Kent Hughes was trying to, let's let's be frank, that he was trying to clean house from the moment that he took over. And so... And, and you have to take a contract back sometimes as well. Uh, sure, yeah, yeah. But the prospects that he was getting, you like to think that, okay, well, they did get some good bat draft picks. Uh, they weren't looking for players. They weren't looking for NHL bodies because they're just not at that stage of the team's developmental track. But uh, the young guys that they do bring in have brought in. You hope that they will turn into something valuable for the organization in short order or down the road. Obviously, uh, Jacob Dobich comes in at number 21. Um, that goalie prospect that we have a little bit higher right now, Along right. with what Montreal drafted this year uh, in in Fowler as well, um, mm-hmm. two interesting names and one of them that will probably get a chance, Dobish, uh, in in AHL and and compete for that spot with Primo, um, mm-hmm. which is going to be an interesting battle going on through the season. I, 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 I is probably the word. Then mm-hmm. we have a, I have a beef with you having uh, Engstrom <laughs> at uh, twenty. The eyes on the prize community had him quite high. He ended up at twelve in total. Obviously, you haven't watched him, and, and that's fine. And, exactly. Not... And that's why, full disclosure, I have not seen Engstrom play in person or on television. And so I, I don't feel like I have a an informed enough opinion to, to rank him as high as you guys have because you have the benefit of of seeing him. You know, you, you, you've got much more familiarity with him. But again, that that's a guy that's that I feel that does certainly have value for the organization that he has an opportunity to make an impact. Um, but uh, just of the guys that I have seen play in junior or college games that I have ranked higher than him, yeah. that's just my own personal experience or bias, if you will. That's uh, that's that's coming through here. Yeah, no, and and uh, Engstrom, obviously, you, you didn't watch the World Juniors with the, when he fell on this on the on the post to to deny Kapanen and the, the goal in, between Sweden you, and Finland. Yeah, you know what? I I didn't catch that to be honest with you, Patrick. Oh. <laughs> That's probably the smartest play Sweden has done since we won the Olympics in Torino. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. The interesting name, I think, you have Mashar at 19. We had him at 18. Kidney the other way around, 19 and, and 18 for for uh, for you. But you rate Nishak quite high, and and I can understand that. And and he's still so young. 
Mm -hmm. Right. And he has experience. You know, yeah. that he has he has higher level experience uh, and by virtue of his age than some of the other junior players that uh, that he's clustered in around, uh, like in my rankings and and uh, and others of your contributors and, and of your staff. And so I believe that Meshack still has that uh, that there is uh, a gear in his development that he's yet to hit that I think that still makes him uh, a good prospect. Um but you know what? Again, the Canadians are stocking their 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 cupboards so extensively that he's a guy that he easily could get passed on the depth chart if he doesn't yeah. find that other gear in his development. But I just think that at this stage, that there are offensive prospects that you know that he does have the edge on, and that's simply because of age and experience. But uh, you know, watch out for all the guys that are around him because you know the future is looking very bright for the Canadians. I can see Mishak being one of the guys being sent in a deal somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a yeah. little bit like well, like you know what we got back in, in in different deals when Montreal wants to include something extra, you can toss Mishak in there, mm -hmm. or he becomes a tweener. Yeah, right. A lot of well, not a lot, but I mean several. Uh, well, we're talking about twenty five players, so yeah. they can't all make the twenty three man roster. So there's there's going to be. Uh, a notable number who will become tweeners or mm. won't be part of the organization for sure, right? There are also a couple of older guys on the team already that is not listed in this list either. So, mm. so you know, it takes a bit to kick someone of, of, of that caliber out yeah, from that 100%. roster spot as well. Just a small reminder to lower the volume as we're going to go to an ad break and you can hear more from John Liu after these messages. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. And we'll get back to the podcast right now. Interestingly, you you hit the nail on the head with Mayu. Mm. We we know Mayu has fantastic offensive upside. Right. His defense, though, and and how, I don't know how much you watched him and how much you've heard through your contacts, but obviously we have Lane Hudson on on mm. the list later on. Right. Can you have a team with two so offensive-minded defenders? Think that with Mayu, his his the growth in his game is to become more of a two-way defenseman, uh, and he does have some edge, and so he yeah. brings a couple of elements or potential elements to the table. And the old cliche about you can't teach size uh, that a guy that his size that's that mobile, uh, if he fills out his game, rounds out his game on the defensive side, and plays with a little bit of edge, that could make him a very very um, uh, an extremely valuable. Um, member of the blue line for a long time. And I think that's, you know, that's why the Canadians made that very untimely decision to draft him. And I, we know that there would have been other NHL franchises that would have done the same, um, even though he had said, don't draft me prior to his eligibility year. Um, but uh, and I don't want to branch out into a, 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 an extended conversation about uh, the, 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 the journey that Mayu has been on. 
But I just think that if we're talking about him purely as a prospect, I think that he has high value for the organization. And honestly, I had him ranked lower until just a few days ago when the NHL uh, reinstated him. You know, I thought that, well, when is this going to reach its conclusion and a resolution? Uh, but now that it has, I bumped him a few spots up because I really think that uh, if he does reach his full potential, he could be a very valuable defenseman for the uh, for the organization, even in the context of Lane Hudson being a guy that's going to that could be an absolute superstar. One of our guests, Brock Otten from McKean's Hockey, mentioned also that the um, tactical play of of um, the London Knights is um, is not very suitable to Mayo's kind of style of play either. That would probably you know. Uh, magnify his defensive weaknesses, if we should use mm. that word. And and uh, it's a good podcast for for you guys that are just catching up with us. Go and check out the Mayu uh, podcast because Brock Otten has a very very deep understanding of the OHL and and the journey that that uh, Mayu has taken on the ice in mm. in regards to his development. The player that is generated the most comments in, in the whole section on this list is obviously Arbor Shekai. We all love the story. We we love the intangibles that he brings to the team. It's it's something for for the average Joe of us fans that someone can come off the street and into Montreal Canadians and actually play for them and, and that we all love. But uh, where do you see him? Can he can he reach that second pairing and make him make his position a little bit more stable, or or will he be on that third pairing maybe for the rest of his life and maybe a journeyman in in NHL? Yeah, I think that I see him mainly as a depth defenseman, third pairing, simply because again, when you talk about the intangibles, that's what makes him such a compelling prospect, right? That there are very few players in the NHL that do what he does. Like even though fighting is. Uh, it's becoming a less relevant, uh, less common aspect of the game. But intimidation will never stop being part of the game, right? So whether that's the Canadians being the aggressors or the ones trying to answer the challenge, um, a player like Arbor Jack, I still feels a role on a team because you can't have just 23 fancy dancers, right? It just That's just not hockey at the professional level, you know? Um, and well, it so, is in Russia. <laughs> yeah, but how many people watch that league, right? Um, and um, no, I just feel like Jack, I, if, I think what his challenge will be is to make sure that uh, as the game gets faster and more skilled, which is that's the, tr- the way it's going, that he, he he's not just, he's not a plug. That's the thing is that he's got, he, for a man his size, he has pretty decent mobility, uh, I mean, I'm not talking like Lane Hudson mobility, but just for a guy his size, his uh, the way he uses his feet, his skating ability, uh, and and he has pretty decent hands too. I think that the, that combination of uh, of of, of skill sets, uh, in addition to the intangibles, are make are what make him such a compelling character. And I believe that if they can. If he can become a bit of a power, uh, excuse me, a penalty killing specialist, then that just, I, I'd see that as a role that would really, really help his longevity in the league. Um, and as he gets more experience, I believe that they will extend those responsibilities to him because it just makes him more valuable. Yes, he may be a third pairing defenseman, more of a depth guy, 
But if he becomes a very good penalty killer, then that makes him uh, even more valuable to the to the team. In addition to the uh, the the other uh, elements of his game and and skill set that uh, that he brings to the table. So, uh, but again, it's like I I don't feel that he is higher than. Uh, well, any higher than where I had placed him, simply because we have to be realistic about the fact that this guy is, you know, is a free agent that really kind of came out of nowhere um, and isn't going to uh, fall anywhere close to the mold of a modern NHL defenseman, uh, but still fills a valuable role uh, with enthusiasm and willingness. Yeah, he he does have value to the organization within their within the top twenty five for certain. I like the fact that you point out maybe that the development should go uh, towards a box play specialist, as we say here in, in Europe, and and uh, um, thereby also maybe increasing his defensive acumen 5-on-5, because mm -hmm. that's where he struggles a little bit. And, and mm -hmm. if he can improve that, improve on the on the, on the PK, and, and and then he could be more safer, even if he ends up on, on, a, on the third pairing. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Joshua Roy, Owen Beck... Uh, Farrell, I see the trend here, as you mentioned. Rafael Harvey Pinard, the youngsters coming in, the juniors with high ce high ceilings, and and right. and uh, but hasn't really proven themselves in their in in, in their pro seasons yet. Mm -hmm. Topping out that list, a little bit you know different from from what we had him, Lane Hudson, and mm -hmm. and uh, most of us are just pissed that he didn't get the Hobie Baker Award this year. Yeah, <laughs> at least Cole did. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he has another um, year. He'll get it yeah. this year because yeah. I, I think the riot from Montreal would just spread down to Boston if they if, <laughs> if they don't give him it. Such a, a an interesting prospect, even Absolutely. in regards to his size, but the skill is 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 undoubtedly there. Mm -hmm. Sure, yeah. I mean, he just he has that Adam Fox type quality, right? Uh, and the size. It's like, well, from the time that he was drafted, that it was that that his camp went out of its way. To say that his 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 physiology, uh, that that the condition that he had, that he was going to still grow, and we've seen it. Yeah. So that was something that uh, they went out of their way to make sure that it wouldn't hurt his his uh, his draft potential too much. But at least, okay, at least the Canadians they took a chance. And when you look at his college career, so to date, that kid is so compelling. Like his. His, his puck skills, his vision, his creativity, his skating. Yeah. He's he's fun to watch. But again, um, how that translates to the pro level, really would like to see him in the AHL first when guys are going to be trying to crush him. That podcast is also something to go back to, I think, and, and it's Will Bell Fraser um, covering uh, the Terriers for, for Boston University. But uh, also, interestingly for me, uh, a, a player I followed is uh, Tom Valinder, uh, Villander coming into Boston University, and I'm a little bit sad that, that Montreal didn't draft him as well. But uh, if you get the chance this season, watch a Boston University game with those two defenders on the ice because it's gonna be it's gonna be five forwards on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have New Hook, uh, newly acquired uh, from from the Avalanche, uh, two second round draft picks more or less um, for him. Is that the NHL pedigree, the Stanley Cup pedigree yes, that puts you it in is. there? Yeah, absolutely. And again, when you know, to harken back to my earlier point, when talking about Mishak, same thing. You know, the new hook has NHL experience on a very good team. 
in a, an extremely good organization. And so um, I just take a look at what the Canadians have done with Kirby Doc and feel like that's because Kent Hughes is so familiar with Alex Newhook um, and not just haven't been the agents, but, you know, just um, there's a profound level of connectivity. Just be, also, I mean, we've seen it with Hughes, like having been a coach, having, you know, just ha having been a hockey lifer, that when he identifies a player like this and when he when he does a deal of this nature, even though it's early in his tenure, it just seems like he really has a lot of um, that there's 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 an extremely profound level of research and knowledge that's gone into that transaction that they really believe in this guy and feel like he's the type of player that can that that can reach his full potential under Marty Saint Louis. And so when I when he made that deal, I thought because I remember when Newhook was a draft prospect, he was barely high on the list. People thought he was going to be a star, a guaranteed star, and it just hasn't panned out that way. But having said that, again. Somebody with that potential, like Doc, well, Newhook without the same types of injury issues, but uh, with the potential that he has, with a change of scenery in an organization that's led by a guy that he knows very well, with a coach who's all about development and helping players reach their potential, I just really believe that that Newhook is going to follow a similar path to what we've seen through Doc. Hopefully, Doc can stay uh, healthy. Um, you know, this this year. And next year and and moving forward in his career and like to say the same about Alex Newhook as well. So that when they made that deal, I was very excited about the possibilities of uh, what he could do for that organization too. And, and you're starting to see this um, development uh, team and mainly Adam Nicholas is getting all the credits, but we have uh, uh, Marie-Philippe Poulain there. We have, uh, uh, you know, Martin Saint-Louis coming in with his credibility and, and his skills it's it's it feeds this positive spiral that that if he can do it i can do it and if he gets better i can get better and and they they push each other along and they have that brain trust to, to go with it and and help each other out and, and help players out uh, i'm really really interested in see where this is going down the line speak about the line down the line jordan harris number eight justin Barron, number seven and interestingly enough you you obviously hit the nail on the head more or less with David Reinbacher at number six. We have him at number seven. This year's draft pick with your friends in the media and, and what you all saw in, in Canada. What did you think about the pick? I heard the buzz that they were very interested in him. So it didn't surprise me when they picked Reinbacher. Um, and I guess there's always that risk when you draft for need, as mm -hmm. teams have done over the years, and it hasn't worked out. But when you consider what's in that kid's toolbox, and a big right shooting defenseman that skates well, that has, you know, physical elements to his game. Um, for the Canadians to invest that high in somebody that fills a positional need, that, again, really speaks to the value that they believe this kid holds. And that's why I ranked him high. You know, even though he isn't doesn't have any pro experience. Uh, um, you're going to get I, half of Switzerland on you now, right now. Well, sorry. I mean, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I hope that doesn't sound biased. I'm talking like AHL. You know, I know, a I know, I know, but yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. he's playing but, against men. He's done it for two years. There, right. there is, 
there is a lot of data and obviously Montreal Canadiens has that data and, and they have their own data. Um, me personally, and I know our listeners know this, I think it's probably the fourth best league in the world at the moment. Um, so so it's, a, it's a high level league still. And that adds credibility to yeah. the belief that they have in, in him as a prospect that they, they felt that he deserved to go that high, right? So, um, yeah, so uh, really excited to see what he's capable of doing simply because, and also, wasn't it uh, that he, during the development camp, I just sort of caught bits and pieces of development camp, but didn't he form like a really instant rapport with Lane Hudson? Yeah, I, I, I've said it and I've written it and, and uh, I can tell you as well, I think that you mentioned drafting for need and I think <laughs> they saw this, complimentary player to Lane Hudson. It might not have been the the sexy pick, as I said. <laughs> right. But it's the, the the pick that makes the sexy pick from last year even better. Well, you know what? And I feel so bad for Reinbacher that certain fans, fans yeah. crapped all over him immediately because they thought that the Canadians should have drafted Michkov. And yeah. well, you know, like the, he didn't ask to be drafted, you know? He's he he's an 18 year old kid. Come yeah, it's, well, it's, just like Logan Mayu, he said, yeah. "Don't draft me," and they drafted him. You know, it's like it's not the kids' faults in these situations. So back off and let him, let him develop, let him yeah. become what he's meant to be under uh, under the circumstances, right? And and yeah. give him that you know feeling of how fantastic Montreal and Montreal Canadiens can be. So he wants to come here and he wants to show 100%. us all, you know, what he can be. At the best of his level, and and I think he will be a a, a really 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 good player, um, mm. one of those cornerstones. Actually, I think he can be maybe not the flashiest, but right. the cornerstone yeah. doesn't have to be flashy either. It just well, has to be flash, stable and there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the flash could be on the left side there with that yeah. pairing. Yeah, indeed. Um, one prospect that I think is is very interesting. You placed him uh, at number five, Juraj Slavkovsky. You obviously seen him a little bit when he's played Winnipeg and 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 all that. Um, how do you think his transition into the NHL has been? Hard to really give a fair assessment simply because the long term injury that he suffered, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but from what I did see of him, uh, I saw a, a kid who was hesitant to make mistakes. And I think that goes along with the expectations and the scrutiny that comes with being a number one pick, especially by the Montreal Canadiens, drafted in Montreal, right? And again, with the reaction where some thought it's like, oh, why didn't you take the 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 consensus pick? Yeah. You know, the 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 Canadian center. Um, but uh, no, just after I got a chance to uh, get to know Slavkovsky a little bit, you know, whether through interviews or speaking to people in the organization, it's like, oh, okay, I really get why they like this guy, you know, uh, that he he seems like the type that that can deal with pressure, that will want to embrace pressure, uh, that you look at the raw materials that he has, the size, the hands, the shots, um, the ability to uh, to box out, to protect the puck when he is when he's playing with confidence like he did in the Olympics at world championship. Uh, the There's an awful lot to like about him. And I just thought that honestly, maybe he should have been in the AHL to start the season last year 
or at least part ways into it. Don't burn the first year of his entry level. You know, uh, let him let him dominate in the big league because even though he's you know even though he's huge, the kid is an absolute monster. Um, the guys were going after him, right? And he uh, he had to adjust to that element of of the North American game where he was going to be a target, and he would have been in the AHL for sure, right? Uh, but at least he would have learned very quickly that it's like, okay, here's a, you got to keep your head up. Don't cut into the middle of the ice with your head down and, you know, all those those nuances that, uh, you know, especially for a big guy that's going to get tested, that he would have been able to, uh, I guess, get his, put his feet in the pool a little bit more extensively and sooner. But uh, but having said that, hopefully his rehab has gone well and that he's going to come to training camp strong, healthy, you know, having added elements to his game that'll make him more prepared for a sophomore season. And that uh, we'll see a little bit more of, um, of uh, I, I guess a, a season that'll give a fair assessment about where his progress is headed. Right. Um, because honestly, as they go back to the draft day when Ken Hughes says, we're not interested in what he is at 18, mm. like today. Right. We're interested in what he's going to be at 21. Right. Oh. They recognize oh. he's going to be a project and he could be a dominant project at that. Like, can you imagine if he turns out to be like a Tage Thompson? Well, then a lot of people can be eating their words. Yeah, you know? for sure. And and I think also, you know, you you mentioned coming from abroad and and, and all that. But Finland, the Finnish system is also a very strict system, and and coming in there uh, to to the NHL and and adjusting to speed to to well maybe not as much ring sign because Finland has a few different ring sizes, and they even have a shorter rink for, for, for one reason, I don't know, uh, energy bill or something, probably. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, th- this is a kid I'm, I'm, I'm really fond of. I'm, I like his attitude as well, and mm-hmm. just, yeah, just uh, if we that. speak about adocity when it comes to Lane Hudson, having the, the, the guts to say, you know, there's a spot opening between Suzuki and or next to Suzuki and Cowfield, uh, on draft day, that's yeah. you know, it takes a lot of guts to say that in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he has he has a lot of uh, a lot of panache. Yeah, in his personality, and I think mm-hmm. that uh, when he gets more confidence and more comfort with, with his game, uh, I think Montreal is going to love him because he just has a, a really sparkling personality. I know you're on a short leash here, uh, John. So I'm gonna I'm gonna run through uh, the next three names on the list. It's Doc. At four, Gouli at three, Kaufel at two, um, and obviously you have Suzuki at number one. What can you tell us that has seen Suzuki develop over the last couple of seasons into that captain that Montreal maybe has craved for a couple of years? I think that last season spoke for itself with the way he carried himself as captain in his first season. Um, And with the Canadians suffering as many injuries as they did to so many key players there where they ended up and with their record and yes we saw nick's performance or his numbers dip a little bit uh, i guess about a third of the way into the season but having said that he still managed to come with a consistent effort and he didn't hang his head he just kept doing going about his business doing the best that he could revolving door on his line or on his wings um and leading by example and it's like just that type of attitude and we've known that about nick for a real long time since he came into the organization that he's just a really good solid young man like you you don't find much better character than him um and the skill speaks for itself like we saw it right away it continues to grow and hone itself but um i just think that he he availed himself incredibly well 
as a captain of the Montreal Canadiens in his first season under the circumstances. And so that's why, in my mind, there's absolutely no question that he is their number one prospect or their number one player under 25. In, indeed. And I would have, um, there is this question that lingers a little bit around Montreal and, and around the fans and sometimes in my head as well. Um, is he really that first line center? That Montreal will need to hoist that cup, or or is that something that Montreal is still looking for? I'm thinking about someone with you know three letters coming out of Winnipeg for a few years, and in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'd say that um, Patrice Bergeron was not the flashiest center, right? He was just incredibly strong at both ends. And he made his wingers better. His wingers, superstar to very high caliber star, right? Um, I believe Nick Suzuki is that type of player. And to, going back to um, Nick's, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember what year it would have been. But anyhow, when uh, I, I was talking, I used to go to a, the gym that I used to belong to, uh, where I lived in Quebec. Um, there was a former scout of the Boston Bruins. And he was a scout at the time that they brought Patrice Bergeron into the organization. And he told me when the Canadians acquired Nick Suzuki, like shortly after he had been on the team and that you know, people had got to know him a little bit. Uh, this scout told me that Nick totally reminded him of Patrice Bergeron at the same age when Bergeron had come into the Bruins organization in terms of his demeanor, his maturity, his commitment, his uh, his skill sets. Uh, Nick is more skilled than Patrice Bergeron was. You know, he's got better hands. Yeah. I'd say he's a better playmaker, but the defensive side of the game, which is the hardest part for a, a very offensively gifted player to learn, if he if he gets to that level, I don't think there's any debate about him being a sufficient number one center for the Montreal Canadiens, right? Because that they come in all shapes and sizes. It's just a question of it. You can look at any team and see uh, and debates like a cup winning team. Okay, well, who's their number one center? Well, you got you know guys that have been parts of multiple winners in recent years, like Jonathan Taves and Andre Kopitar. Those types of players, big, strong, rangy centers that are. The common element almost always is that they're really strong two-way centermen, right? So, I don't know. It's Let's see how the wings play out. I mean, Cole Caulfield has superstar potential. If yeah, right, he turns out to be a guy that's gains the zone, holds onto the puck, and you know, makes it impossible for defenders to, you know, at the ozone time with Suzuki and Caulfield along there, turns out to be uh, a beast in and of itself. We just don't know. Right, there, a guy in and of itself doesn't become just that player. It's what he does with his line mates, his teammates, and what they do for him. Right. So, and and also we have seen that that his leadership qualities is, is, are also there in regards to what Patrice Bergeron had um, along the way. Um, I like the fact that we've heard that he's taking French lessons and and mm -hmm. getting on and and becoming that part of. Montreal that mm -hmm. you need to be maybe as a, a, a first line center and definitely as a captain for the team. Yeah. Well, living in the city full time, you know, two yeah. summers now, right. 
well, maybe not last summer, but this summer, I think he's lived there full time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that, that's that's a pretty um, that's a strong statement and commitment on his part. Very and playing street part. hockey with the kids, right? Yeah, yeah. That 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 gets everyone going. It's been an absolute pleasure, John. I'm super excited. I hope I can get back to you maybe before a Winnipeg Jet game or or, or something like that. Sure. Um, I've always promised Murat the the playoffs, but you know we can take a regular season game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you know, let's not hang on the playoff thing. There, we don't know what the Jets are going to be this season. So regular season sounds good. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's been a year. It's been a. It's been that year for me. I've I've done most of these pods myself. Uh, the support team, though, in Montreal has been superb. And uh, as John uh, hides behind his desk over there, I'm going to pop the, the champagne. <laughs> oh, because this I... is the final see the final episode of the top twenty five under twenty five. Thank you all for joining us, and thank you, John, for sticking with me this time. And I hope you have a great evening or afternoon with your missus. Thank you. Appreciate it, Patrick. And uh, thanks for having me on. Cheers. And uh, congratulations on a a, a terrific summer season. Cheers. Good. Take care. listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel and i'm rebecca we're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say didn't see that coming and we hate the people responsible for them listen to people are the worst now on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts